Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Dan Ertle, who is a co-founder and the CEO of Eureka Resources, a company that uses innovative technologies and actually has several patents to cleanse and recycle wastewater from oil and gas operations. And Dan, I happen to know that you're on a mission to leave clean, wholesome environment for future generations. So welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you very much, Birgit. I know that uh, you now have expanded into three treatment facilities and you grew the workforce to, I guess you're now a little bit over or around 100 employees. And somehow you have mastered delegating the successful results of your other company, which is a generational company in this construction business. And at the same time, you continue to look for ways to succeed and grow. I know you're currently in talks. I know you can't say the detail, but you're looking at lithium extraction, joint ventures or opportunities there. So, so Dan, you're also a civil engineer from one of the top schools. Do you think that that was one of the reasons for your success? And did you ever struggle as a leader with anything? That sounds like a loaded question, Birgit. Now, um, <laughs> you know me well. Yeah, I, I graduated from Bucknell University. I say to this day that um, at a small private school like that, top tier, if you apply yourself, you can get one of the best educations uh, in the world. And certainly that equips you to uh, handle all kinds of problems in your business life. Sometimes it translates over into your personal life. So the biggest thing I took away from that education was the ability to problem solve, think on my own. I was not a computer test taker at, at uh, Bucknell. They taught you how to hands-on solve problems. And that's been very, very helpful. In my private businesses, when you think about that, one way you solve problems as a business owner is you surround yourself with a really strong team. So uh, 35 years ago, when we started, when my brother and I came back and got into the family construction business, uh, we built a very strong team around ourselves, which is what uh, 12 or 13 years ago enabled me to step away to a certain degree from the family-owned construction businesses and focus on this new venture. That con the construction company and the real estate companies are all still successful, again, because they have strong leadership teams. So I I'm more of a watcher than a doer there. Mm -hmm. And what that does is enables you to move on to something else, either of, of interest, something exciting, something entrepreneurial, but not have to worry about, you know, losing progress you made in another enterprise. So I'm still engaged at the other companies, um, a very minimal part of my time, and I'm fully engaged here at Eureka. And what we, I did at Eureka was the same thing. Set myself up with uh, good founders and then began to build a strong management team around myself uh, with the help of the founders and our investment partners. So uh, do you have one or two tips regarding how you have figured out to you know, select the right people? In my experience, there's nothing like meeting people face to face. Uh, there's nothing like shooting uh, straight with them when you interview them, uh, when you hire them. There's nothing worse. Uh, than keeping people on when you figure out that they're, that they're not going to work. As you know, you've helped me with those tough decisions from time to time in the past, and other people have too. Mm -hmm. I was just speaking with a, with a young entrepreneur last night, as a matter of fact, who's struggling with an employee that he had that's a great long-time employee and has been really good. But the, the leader, uh, sadly, was struggling and feeling guilty that he knew he needed to let him go and didn't want to. And my advice, along with uh, our current uh, COO's advice, we've both been around a while, was, well, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty because that employee let you down. Uh, you didn't let him down. Uh, so at that point in, in somebody's career, sometimes you have to 
you know, almost as a last resort, uh, let them go. And that's a, hopefully it's a benefit to them and they'll figure it out and come back and be a better employee somewhere else. But certainly if any of us are going to be successful, we have to be surrounded with people that have the same goals, the same drive, the same vision for the company. And if they don't, if then they're way too dissimilar from you. And again, you better make that tough decision and find somebody that can be on board with you 100%, 100% of the time. Yeah, that's a good point about, you know, being aligned with the vision and, you know, being frank and, and having those tough conversations. So, Dan, what have you struggled with as a leader then over your career? Or what blind spot have you discovered about yourself? Well, I was just criticizing somebody who had difficulty with letting a longtime employee go. Maybe that's tough for all of us. Uh, maybe for some people it's not. I do find it is difficult for me. It's uh, much easier for me now to do it after years of being faced with, from time to time, uh, with employee problems. After the first few times, you see how much happier they are and you are and your company is when you made that change, the better. On a completely different topic, which isn't employee, you know, making anybody can make an error when hiring employees, whether that's a direct hire, a CEO of a COO or a CFO, or in a business plan, what you think about the employment force in a new area where you might be going into business, you can miss. And for example, we have three facilities here in Pennsylvania, like we talked about. Uh, the first one we opened was here in my hometown. We anticipated what were the difficult hires were going to be at the plant level. We set about filling all the positions and we moved regionally just 90 miles away. Mm -hmm. uh, we made our estimates um, and analysis of what positions we thought were going to be difficult to fill, what we thought it was going to be like to fill those positions from a monetary standpoint as far and, and as well as a skills standpoint. And we didn't miss on those, but we found ourselves very surprisingly, we missed the mark by mile when it came to the work attitude of the individuals. Mm. almost across the board. So it was a underdeveloped area, a high unemployment, low wages, an agricultural area. So we thought we would have no problem attracting quality, hardworking individuals to fill these positions. And what we found out was um, we really missed the mark on how dedicated as, as a group, which sounds surprising, but how dedicated as a group the folks would be, mm. what their outlook about what the company does or doesn't do for them would going to be. So we really struggled building that team at the plant level of folks who appreciated their job, appreciated what their employer did, would give an extra mile if they have to. It was, it was more the we versus them, them being the corporation. Mm. We missed that one by a mile. And it took us quite a few years to weed out the bad ones and fill in with good. In other words, to build the, I guess, the feeling of uh, corporate positivity that you would need at a plant. Esprit de corps, be happier at Eureka, look at the positives that we do. It, it was a lot bigger job to do that in an area where we thought it was going to be a lot easier job or almost simple. So we had to do a lot of things. We had to uh, do employee meetings. We have to talk to them very, very routinely. We have to make them understand how they're needed and how they're necessary, but also help them to understand what their job provides for them and what their employer in fact, does for them and what's important both ways. We had a lot of teaching to do there, not just how to run equipment mm -hmm. and how to punch a time clock and all that. So uh, we ended up spending quite a bit of effort, quite a bit of time turning that the attitude of the workforce around. Mm. And it went all the way back to we really, we really misread the hiring pool we were pulling folks from. And by the way, this wasn't in the last couple of years and when it's become very difficult to hire anybody. 
Mm -hmm. um, prior to COVID, it was very difficult. Unemployment rate at three percent. You know, often it's a it's an employee's market. This was back in 2012 and 13. There were plenty of bodies out there, but finding people with the right work attitude in that area turned out to be very difficult. Yeah, I can see how that would have been a big blind spot because, like you said, you would think that it would be something that uh, they'd be grateful for, and you discovered it was a little different. Then back to the firing and being effective at it, I was wondering, you know, you've been in a, in a generational family environment where you've had family work for you and with you, you know, even when you started Eureka. So I can only imagine that you might have discovered one or two things in terms of what it's like making it work with people who you can't fire. Or, or maybe you could, but it would be a lot, a lot harder to to fire your own family and, and friends. How did you handle that one? That's another one of those uh, subjects of early in my career. I never thought I'd have a problem with, but my my biggest lesson learned there, a thing I could pass to anybody who's going to hire people within their family, close relatives or distance, all the same. Be careful uh, because where you think there isn't a problem and three, four, five, ten years in, everything can be going just dandy. And yeah. all of a sudden you, you get to that family member and they just don't get it. Maybe they take advantage. Who knows? And the repercussion, uh, even if that person is working to the detriment of, of the company, of their family members in the company, when, when you, if you're the person that has to let them go, get ready. Get ready to be the person that takes the fall. So to answer your question, have I ever had to do that? Yeah, I have. I've had to fire very close relatives and distant ones. Not often. It's not like I'm a nasty person. The people that had to let that had to be let go had to be let go, and uh, you you pretty much have to sit down there with them. And my message always was, you know, I know you're a member of the family. I've appreciated your work, but you know, you've typically it, it deteriorates to this. You've really left me with no other choice. Uh, and this is what you should have done. And while I'm terribly sorry, uh, you better think about what you want to do with your life and go find some place where you want to work and where you'll be happy. And in the end, believe me, you'll be you'll be better off. So, again, lesson learned. Be careful. Don't don't think you have to hire people in your family. Don't think you have to keep them. And sadly, it's almost when I think about it anymore, uh, bringing family members in, it's almost like they have to cross a higher bar, not a lower one because you have to always be looking out for, for the repercussion. And it's a very bad feeling. It's a bad feeling for, for you as the employer, a bad feeling for them as the employee. It's just, it's just not good. So be careful and be sure, or as sure as you can. Yeah. And it's never an obligation to hire family members. My children, as far as a family business or Eureka goes, two out of three of my children have nothing to do and don't have employment at the businesses that I run, any of them, even though there's lots of opportunity. Yes. Because it just wasn't going to work out. Yeah. Okay. One of them does. And that's been a struggle, uh, but he's happy now. Okay. But it was difficult. Well, I think it right there is, a, is another one of your achievements. You know, you've been married to the same woman for, you know, since the day, <laughs> since the day you guys got together. And I know you're a very loyal man. So I'm glad that you were able to share some of, you know, your experiences with that. So as we start to wrap up the show, you know, we're in crisis mode and you've yourself been through several crises. Any last tips that you can share with leaders that may have never faced a crisis? And this might sound too philosophical or, or people might say it's just baloney. But no matter how difficult it always gets at business, remember there's always home. Business isn't everything. Any problem at business can be solved with hard work. Any problem. 
health problems, medical problems, things like that are much more traumatic, much, much more difficult to get through mm-hmm. uh, than anything at business. As bad as business can be, and as important as, as it is to folks like myself or Birgit or anybody else in business, is just business. It's critical. I work many, many, many hours. I take vacations. Business I can always fix. Uh, some things um, that God gives you to handle, you can't. Mm-hmm. You got to depend on him. Mm-hmm. So I would always remind people, work hard, focus on your business, be successful in your business because it helps you and makes you more capable of dealing with the other things. But anything wrong at business can always be fixed. That's the neat thing about business problems as opposed to, um, you know, some other things that God gives us to deal with from time to time that, you know, we have to give to him. Wow. What a way to wrap up the show. What a what a great reminder of that. So thank you for making today work. And thank you for sharing, you know, not just your successes, but also some of your lessons learned. And I wish you continued success because I know with your kind of attitude, you, you keep being successful even when when there's crisis. So thank you again for being on the show, Dan. Thank you for the opportunity, Birgit. Talk to you soon.